football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome to the school board, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live from WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live to me and Mr. Hillman on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the show. Huge show on deck today. Going to have a great time today. Got a lot of fun ideas we're going to talk about on the show today, but first and foremost, Jacob, how are you today? I'm doing great, and of course, our first topic is kind of, it's kind of a, I don't know how to, how to describe it, it's, a, it's an emotional... Reflective. Of, reflective, yeah, reflective is a good way to put it, because... One year ago today, COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic, and sports world shut down a year ago today. Yes, that's the first thing we're going to be getting into today. COVID a year ago today. Also going to follow it up with some Auburn basketball. We're going to review the season, and we're also going to give out some basketball grades, what we uh, think how the team did individually as a team overall, a little bit of touch in the next season like we've been doing the past few weeks. Um, we will also get into championship week. March is here. It is official tourney time. This few, is March. This is March. Uh, a huge storyline coming out today. Duke, who was already on the verge of missing the tournament anyways, is now out of the ACC tournament due to COVID. Um, so a lot of different teams on the bubble trying to make a last-minute push, seeding-wise. And then we're going to end the show with a preview of Auburn baseball this weekend after picking up a road victory in Birmingham on Tuesday night. So, COVID. A year ago today. What? Well, first of all, we're, we're, we, we were in Helena. Correct. Because Auburn University was on spring break. That's the scene for where me and Jacob were. Had just gotten home from Gatlinburg, both of us on our respective trips, and I remember sitting there watching Sports Center, and I hear Thunder uh, Jazz is canceled. Yeah, for me, I think I was just kind of deciding because I just we had both been in Gatlinburg, and we I think when I came back, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go to Nashville for the SEC tournament or just kind of stay in Auburn watch baseball series. I think it was opening weekend for SEC play against like Texas A&M. And I was just kind of making that decision, like, what am I going to do? Well, the decision was made for me yeah. <laughs> by by this virus. And it's just one of those things that's it's kind of crazy to look back on. Where, where, where you're out, we're not past it yet. There's light at the end of the tunnel, though. That's the thing. It's like... There were times when you had no idea when the heck it was in. We thought first two weeks, and I was like, oh, at the end of the summer, maybe we're never going to get out of this, but right now, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, and, and to be, I'm looking at Credit All Sports News on social media, particularly Instagram. Um, technically, yesterday, March 10th, was the one-year anniversary when the Ivy League canceled their conference tournament for basketball. Um, and just to give you a few events from a year ago today on March 11th, first the Warriors announced that they were not going to play with fans in the stands against Brooklyn. Then the NCAA announced that their tournament would be held without fans. Then uh, hockey teams started saying they were going to start playing without fans, more specifically the Blue Jackets and the Sharks. Uh, then the Jazz and Thunder, like we referenced, which I think was the biggest deal, obviously, because of Rudy Gobert. Um, I think it was a year ago yesterday, he was touching all the microphones in his press conference, and they wouldn't even let the reporters be close to him. And he jokingly touched the microphones, and then... Um, uh, the NBA suspended the season, and then Vince Carter had his last game, and then everything kind of. That's when the next day, college basketball really was shut down if they weren't already, and uh, the Thanos snap, like we like to call it. Yeah, it see, it was just like this turn of events where it was just hour by hour something monumental was happening. Like when the Warriors said they're not playing in front of fans, it was one of those things. Well, there's a, there's a lot of cases on the West Coast. It makes sense. But then you have the Blue Jackets. That's the Columbus Blue Jackets from Ohio. They're not going to play in front of fans. And then the Jazz and Thunder game being postponed like it was. That's when, it, now, for because on the timeline it shows, 839 it was postponed at 931. We found out that they suspended the season and Brody Gobert had tested positive. That whole hour was just chaos. It was. And, I mean, you remember seeing the videos on social media watch as there's doctors sprinting onto the floor before the Oklahoma City game, 6.55, five minutes for tip, and gathering the referees and the head coaches, and uh, over half an hour later, they canceled it. I think the scariest thing, because I remember me personally, like nobody knew anything about this, so we were all kind of freaked out. Watching the video on Twitter of the public PA announcer, and this is a reference to my dad because he's a PA announcer, I couldn't imagine. My thought was having to hear him make this announcement at a college 
uh, athletic event. He comes over to the intercom and says, um, tonight's game has been postponed. You are all safe. And then you just hear the crowd just like shears of just anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody had to exit the arena. But point being like referencing that back to me, like I couldn't imagine him to hear my dad um, at a high school, more, much less a college sporting event like he calls and having to hear that so that that's when the fear kind of started settling in for me and a lot of people well yeah because that's just a serious thing that it's like when they say to like leave because they're postponing the game and they're, it's it's a basketball game weather's not a factor i mean unless it's severe weather but they say you're safe because that means if there was severe weather they'd say stay here don't leave and it's just kind of one of those things like what the heck is going on exactly because i think i remember it was like is there a bomb threat or something like that mm-hmm. and they say you're all safe which means Probably not. They yeah. wouldn't. They wouldn't do. I don't think that's how they would handle that situation no. at all. So it's kind of one of those things where he didn't know. And then, of course, as I said, an hour later, they everybody the started doing it. Well, and a big thing too was also. Do you remember the video? Um, like the next day when Donovan tested positive, and they were showing like, look, Donovan's hugging people and shaking hands as he's walking off the court. Well, the big thing was that they had a quarantine. They quarantined in that in the locker room for like yes. several hours, and yeah. they let them leave, and they're at the hotel. And they found out the next day, and it was just like, yeah, this thing's spreading like crazy. Yeah, they tracked the team like crazy. And I remember another image just vividly that came across my mind was also Mark Cuban. One That's of the most, what I was going to say. One of the most renowned owners in the NBA reads his phone where it says the NBA has announced that they will suspend the, suspend the season in a literal jaw drop. I mean, disbelief. The thing is, is that's in the middle of one of the Mavericks games because there was like three games going on. It was like the Mavericks. Them, Atlanta, and then... And then yeah, it might have been just those two games. But there's another game that's supposed to tip off, I think, yeah. in Portland. That did not tip off because they were going to let the games that were playing finish. They weren't just going to stop it because at that point, it's just like, whatever. But they weren't going to let another game tip off after that. So it was just one of those things that was just a mass chaos. And that was with the NBA. Everywhere else was the same way. It was just the NBA was kind of because Ruby Gobert tested positive. Everyone was like, Well, and it was like Whoa. that. And then the next day, I've this is the one year ago tomorrow anniversary, um, I'm sitting on my couch in Helena all throughout the day, and it's, it just felt like, man, just one by one by one by one on SportsCenter, it's Big Ten cancels their tournament, ACC cancels, like, this is canceled, this is canceled. And then I remember watching Greg Sankey's press conference and the patience and the leadership that he showed and how it all went down. It was just, it, 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 SVP on ESPN described it perfectly. It was unprecedented. Yeah. I know we're tired of that word, but those few days a year ago today, Last year were unprecedented. Well, because we also, at that point, we kind of thought, oh, it's just going to be a few weeks or whatever, and we're going to get back to normal. It's going to be nice having these few weeks off. Well, then it turned into we have to adjust our entire rest lives. of the semester and then add the summer. And-, and into this year and probably a little bit into next year. So it's one of those things that, like you said, it was the perfect, the only way to describe it because we didn't know what we were getting into at all. And I mean, you just look at the other things. It's just like you said, step by step by step. Like, something crazy was happening every hour. And, you know, down south, we hadn't had, we didn't have a positive case for a while. The, the, the testing, a known positive case. The testing case, yes. wasn't yes. as widespread yes. until several weeks later. So, you know, we were thinking, okay, we're going to be fine. And then the summer surge happened. So it's one of those things where, looking back at a year ago today, we were just so ignorance the way to put it and it's not a bad thing to be because you just don't know we didn't know anything about it It was a brand new virus and um and i mean i just remember like i wasn't really scared like it was kind of like like that night march 11th the night of was kind of like like freaky like i was kind of like yeah well i mean we didn't know but like that also plays the part like back when president trump was in office i remember sitting in my bed and i'm turning on he he tweeted out something when he had twitter he tweeted out something (laughs) where press conference tonight like all this and that and he is sitting in the the Oval Office yeah. of all places by when, himself when when the president addresses the nation, nation like, like an that? emergency. Yeah, and yeah. he said like this is a national pandemic. Like we are like shutting everything down. Like travel is being shut down. Like all this and that. And I mean that's when like kind of the fear started settling in for me because I didn't know anything. But then you know we learn more as we go on. And the impact on sports. Uh, not to cut you off, but the impact on sports is what we're I'm what we're trying to get back to with today's show is the fact that. There were events set up within the next few months following a year ago today that have never really been moved or canceled that were. The Masters, the Final Four and everything. College World Series was canceled at the end of March, and that was over two months away. We thought there was a chance we could even have it. Little League World Series, I mean. Well, because the big thing about 
NCAA was, SEC was like, all right, we're coming back after March 30th. And of course, then you had Auburn kind of do their own thing. So, all right, we're, we're having, we're not doing anything until April 9th, which was the day before A Day. And I was thinking, okay, we'll return for A Day. And then sports will continue after that for Auburn specifically. Of course, that never happened. And it was one of those things where it was like, it's funny because I actually wrote something about this and I talked to a, uh, a sport management professor and he talked about how he thought it was kind of quick to cancel the College World Series and Women's College World Series. NCAA tournament, eh, it's just kind of one of those things where you're kind of you're right in the middle of the season and you're right about to start that. It's kind of tough to do. And the best part of the season. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of tough to do that. But with the College World Series and Women's College World Series, we haven't even started conference play yet. You could have started that back up later in the season and figured things out. And obviously we saw with the NBA and Major League Baseball that it was possible to play. They figured it out and of course there they was, had a few cases besides there was, the bubble. Major League Baseball was set was there were setbacks with the Marlins and the Cardinals and other teams. But as you said, they made it through. Yeah. And then the NBA had the perfect setup where they just didn't even have any cases because they had a bubble. No one was positive. It was perfect. So I I look at it like Yes, maybe looking hindsight's twenty twenty. So in my mind, I wish they hadn't canceled any of like the NCAA stuff. But that's it's hard to do that because it's time sensitive. These guys graduate. It's not like professional sport where but they can wait. They can yeah. wait a while and just move around the schedules for the next season. They had to make a decision, and I wish it wasn't that decision because you hate it for guys like a Tanner Burns who didn't get to finish his career at Auburn for the entire basketball team because it's, it's a little bit different. baseball, softball, and spring sports. They got an extra year of eligibility. Those winter sports, women's and men's basketball, they didn't get that. Yeah, it was just a little too late when they made that call. Yeah. Another thing is, like, think about the impact that had on people that were able to opt out of their season. Like, for instance, I know you talked to Chandler Wooten recently, and I, I figured that was something that y'all talk about. Um, he was a, one of a couple players on Auburn's team and one of several, several players throughout the nation to have an opt-out year so. It's just like a lasting effect. And I feel like this is going to be one of those things, like you said, light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, they're talking about full stadiums in the fall, possibly with the vaccine coming out, with the data, what it's promising, what it's showing. Um, I think we're going to look back once we get back, like you said, the light at the end of the tunnel when we're back to this full capacity, when we're back to normal operations, which we're, we're pretty close to normal besides being around as many people as we want at all times. Right. I feel like when we're back to that point in our life, we're going to look back and just think about the adversity that, throughout the sports world that was that was shown and the character that a lot of people showed in their leadership and their dedication, college and professional. Well, yeah, because you had you had so many people, like whether it was athletes, Trevor Lawrence, we want to play. They he I won't I don't Justin think, Fields was huge in that too. I, I mean I don't think they are the sole reason that those conferences ended up playing like the SEC was gonna play. ACC was gonna play. Big twelve was gonna play, but it was like the Big Ten and the Pac twelve. There there was like I thought they wouldn't play this past season. And of course, they figured well, it out. Honestly, it in is. July, it kind of sounded like the SEC wasn't either. I mean, I remember sitting at the pool with uh, my dad and some buddies, and I was like, I hate to say it, but we're not playing football. Yeah. So. And it's just one of those things where the leaders, the athletes, the university, the administration, they did a great job at really figuring things out. Because I think you had to look at it. It's like Major League Baseball, NBA, they, they figured it out. Obviously, NBA is its own thing, but Major League Baseball was the one to look at. It's that, look, they had cases. They we're gonna learn from them. And I think Greg Sankey, you mentioned his his leadership, his poise in that press conference to cancel the tournament. I think even more impressive was how he handled the comeback. He did because he said it. It's not like he, that's what I think was perfect. Was he didn't start on time. We we delayed the season a little bit because we wanted to learn. We wanted to learn how to handle this and how to make it safe for players, fans, coaches, whoever's involved. And I think the SEC did a great job at that. Well, and one final note, because we're about to have to get a break real quick on Weagle, but one quick thing that I was thinking about the other day, because obviously Gus Malzahn was let go here at Auburn, one of the more consistent coaches you could say in the SEC in the past several years. Think about how affected teams have been by sports and what the outcome would be if there were full stadiums and home field advantage and going on the road with those crowds. I mean, you could argue Auburn has a better record this year at the full stadium. I think they beat Texas A&M. Look at basketball. Yeah, exactly. So that was a year ago today when everything started. But 365 uh, days down, maybe we'll get out of it in the next several months. We will. Other side of the break, it's a scoreboard. Going to grade Auburn basketball's men's season. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. 
Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Back live on the scoreboard, Jacob Hillman alongside Bay Marks as we get set to grade this past basketball season. It was an interesting one for Auburn men's basketball with a postseason ban, injuries, uh, no, no COVID issues, but also not a single COVID not, case. Not a That's single impressive. one. And then obviously the NCAA eligibility stuff with Sharif Cooper. We're gonna lead off with first of all talking about Justin Powell. Justin Powell has entered the transfer portal and has decided to transfer from Auburn. He will not be returning. He's got he's garnering a lot of attention from big programs: Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky. You name it, they probably want Justin Powell, and it's hard to blame them. And it's and we there's it's no, nearly just out of the air. There's no details. There's no. really no details, so it, you can't say why. And of course, he missed the last two months of the season with a concussion, and it's one of those things where it's out of the air. But you also think maybe it was just he, just those two months being in his room isolated. It might have been a lot for him, and he just wants to go back home. Because let's be real, I think he's going to Kentucky. I think. He's going to Kentucky too. He's from Kentucky, or he's from Louisville, uh, more specifically. And um, I, my bet is he goes there. And like you said, nobody knows why. Nobody knows the reasoning. We'll probably find out soon. But before we get into grading, everybody, let me give you a quick stat. Justin Powell played in ten games this season for Auburn. Like Jacob mentioned, he had the concussion and the injury. Leor Berman played in more games than Justin Powell, and Preston Cook only played in one less game than Justin Powell. Shreve Cooper played in one more game, or two more games than Justin Powell. And only one more game than Leo Berman. So, just some mind-blowing facts. I mean, that's kind of, I think that's the perfect context for this basketball season. It was just like the rest of 2020. It was weird. It was really weird, just because the eligibility issues. As soon as Shreve came back, Powell had been out for a week. And, you know, Leo Berman and Preston Cooker with walk-ons. They, they didn't expect to play. Now, the way they played, I was impressed by them. It seemed like they were ready to go in whenever Bruce Pearl called upon them. And and Cook played a lot more in, later in the season in, in crucial minutes. Berman played, I think his first major appearance you know, in crucial time was against Ole Miss in January. And Cook played in the last several games. And it was just one of those things where, you know, you're you know, just kind of plugging and playing guys at the point guard position with, Powell going down with injury, and then Sharif eligibility issues, as well as injury issues. So, really, as you said, it was just a weird season, and even though it didn't really, it ended on a great note. I think those the Tennessee and the Mississippi State games are what you want to remember, and not the Alabama game, because Alabama's a great team, and you're on the road against them. But, kind of just a whole recap before we get into the grades, I think it's just, it was a weird season, Look at the bright side. Bright side, we've been mentioning it for probably three or four weeks now once Auburn really kind of just started looking ahead to next season is the fact that, A, Auburn has to find a point guard if Shreve leaves. Don't know if Shreve's leaving or not. If he does, got to find a point guard or, or he's got to train somebody else to be one, get in a transfer portal, yada, yada, yada. But B, regardless, Auburn will be one of the better teams in the nation next year. They were the most inexperienced team in the SEC this year, and look how they did. They could have done a lot worse. But did they? No. So point being, next season will be a lot better. Let's get into grading. Let, let's start off with the A plus, Sharif Cooper. I think you. I, I think we're both going to give him an A plus. I will give him an A minus actually. Okay. Just just for the shooting ability. Okay. Uh, I think we expected a little too much out of his shooting ability, and I think the way Bruce was describing it, I think he made the comment about you don't think he's going to miss in practice. Like I just assume he's going to make it. If his shooting was a little bit better, more specifically beyond the arc. I'd give him an A+, plus, but I'll give him an A-. minus. That's fair. 39.1% from the field, 22.8% from beyond the arc. I think I'll give him the A+, plus even with that. I, I agree with that with that analysis. It's just that Auburn looks so much different with him on the floor. I'm also fine with the assist-to-turnover ratio. Two to one, almost. Yeah, so yeah, I'm fine with that. And Because he handles the ball so many times. Yeah, he had the, he had the most turnovers per game out of everyone. But like you mentioned, Auburn's a different team with him on the floor. He's on the floor for 33 minutes and handling the ball every single possession. The lobs were insane. The court vision, the passing. I mean, A. a, a. Just think about it. Consensus is an A. So, 
moving on to another player that everyone talked about throughout the year, Allen Flanagan, averaging 14.3 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per game, and 2.9 assists per game. And it, I think this is going to be like, it comes with a caveat. Because he didn't play his position. I was about to say, you can't, you can't grade him harshly. Right. He was forced into a position he's not natural in. Definitely the most improved player with Jamal Johnson coming in a close second. Yeah. I'll give Allen um, a B. Like you said, just because I wish we could have seen him a lot more in the shooting guard position, which we did when Sharif played. Um, I mean, the only thing that I would like better from Allen would be better ball handling. Like I said, that's not his natural position. And... Last year, you would have given him like a D, obviously, because he's a freshman didn't play a lot and was very highly touted. Well, he's showing why. Next year, when Allen, if Allen can continue this hot surge, he had a great first half of the season, kind of fell off in the middle of SEC play. It was either hot or not, finished strong. I think next year, if he's on a more consistent basis, Auburn goes deep in the tourney. I gave him a B- minus as well because I, I just think that for him to, like you said, that the middle of the year was not good. It was not good. It was and just he, a drop-off. And he was forced into that that one position whenever Sharif went down with an injury and Powell had been out for so long. And I really think that even then, he was still kind of like, he was he was a good enough playmaker that it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a B-minus is, a B, B-minus, B-minus, B-plus is a fair range for him. Do we even, do we grade Justin? I'll give I'll give him a B minus. I'll give him a B minus too, just because we, we don't have a lot of, a big sample size for him. Jalen Williams, I think this is a guy that coming into the year we're thinking he might make a huge jump. He made a jump. I don't think he made the jump that we wanted him to make, but he's definitely improving and improved as the year went on. A great defensive presence. I completely agree. I would say like a B minus for him, uh, especially after the Tennessee game at home last year. He started getting a lot more minutes and because Isaac got hurt and Auburn expected him to come into this year and be one of the best players on the team, which he can be. He puts, he has that potential. Um, he definitely improved from this year to last year. I gave him a B, a B minus. Um, I think something that's also a big accolade for him is the fact that he is a good sh- three-point shooter for his size. Um, I think that gives Auburn a different dimension when he can pop out and be another safety net and try and shoot a three. And his defensive presence um, is just – Something huge that Auburn leaned on on the the the, uh, the defensive side of the floor. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely room to improve for him though. Led the team in blocks per game with 1.4. As Auburn was one of the top shot blocking teams in the country and especially in the SEC, along with Florida and Kentucky. I think that Jalen Williams, like you said, the three point shooting is what really impressed me. There were times he would have offensive explosions. Now sometimes he kind of wouldn't show up. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to give him a C plus. Is because of the consistency. I was about to say, and, but he also played a lot more minutes than people realize. Yeah, he was on the floor a lot more than anybody would even think. Absolutely, and I, I like the C plus is a seventy nine. I think that he, yeah, I'd give him like an eighty one. Right, yeah. He, he's he has a chance to be an extremely good player next year. I think he, I think he'll be a four year player, but I think next year he'll end up, you know, kind of being forced to test the NBA waters, where he'll go and see what they say and come back because I think. He's gonna be kind of one of those leaders off the bench because it's just what's coming back. For, I, maybe because we don't know exactly what's coming back for Auburn. But point being, he did a great job at really being a great playmaker on offense and just being a physical presence on defense. Moving on to the guy that ended the year starting at point guard, Jamal Johnson. I think going into the year, Bruce Pearl really, really got everyone's expectations up. Beginning of the year, he was on and off. And I think he found some consistency towards the end. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Bruce was saying, you know, I don't think anybody has improved more than uh, Jamal Johnson has in the offseason. Obviously, Jamal's strength last year was not defense. We knew he wasn't a great defensive player, so that was kind of the only place we really expected him to improve. But towards the end of the season, he really found his stroke, uh, led the team in three-point percentage at 36.1, actually, of qualifiers. Of qualifiers, yes. That's a better way to put <laughs> Dylan it. Dylan Cartwell doesn't qualify, but he should. He him, should. And, him and some other bench players don't qualify. But Jamal led the team in three-point shooting. I think that's going to be a big big thing for him uh, next year. I think he's going to continue to play the two role if Auburn can find a point guard, um, and his basis will be catch and shoot again. So for uh, Jamal, I'll give him a B just purely because of A, the three-point shooting, and B, his defense was twice as good as it was last year. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that he he did what he did last year, but he was much more effective and efficient. And then the defense is completely improved. On the offensive end is what I mean being more effective. But on defense, 
he was a completely different player. He was a liability last year. He was. And this year, he contributed. This year, exactly. I mean, when you flip the switch like that, he didn't even go from liability to neutral. He actually contributed. He was a good job, at, especially on the ball. I think he did really good on the ball. And I, I think that next year, he's going to find himself playing a lot, even with a lot of guys coming in and not losing anybody. He's going to be the senior on the team. I, I think Javon Franklin will also be a senior. Uh, but But Johnson will be that guy. He will be the leader, and he will need to be, especially like you said, him shooting 36.1% from the three and being the leader in that category, that's big time. And here's a guy that you're in love with. I really think that next season is going to be his year. JT Thor. He brought the hammer down so many times this year. It was incredible. He has the athleticism. He should have been a high school senior this year. That's why I'm trying to be I'm trying to not Let, be harsh in my criticism. I I think this is different than Flanagan. I think you can grade him. Grade him how you how you. Okay, you're not gonna him. like this, but I give JT a C, maybe a C plus, like a 75 through a 77. Okay. Reason being, a yes, JT, like you mentioned, very athletic, NBA ready body. ESPN loves that, and you know, defensively, we saw a breakaway steals and around the rim. I mean, he's six foot ten with a seven foot wingspan, and we saw flashes of that. We saw what he's gonna be next year when he comes back to Auburn. Like you mentioned with Jalen, it's just the consistency. I mean, some nights you look up at the scorecard and the box score, JT has like two or four points. And then some nights you look up there, he's pushing for 20. Um, so it's a consistency thing. And just the fact that, like, it seemed like the first 10 games of the year we were complaining when they were playing Gonzaga and St. Joe's, it was like, this guy does not know what he's doing out of yeah. the floor. So I think if he can learn the college game, which he did this year, and be more consistent next year, he'll move up to a B or A minus. I think he has that potential. I'll give him a B minus. I see. I, I I've been in love with him because of his potential. This year, he didn't show it as much as I'd like to, but he showed flashes with the athleticism on dunks, with the three point shooting. I mean, the guy shot twenty nine point seven percent from three, and the guy's like six ten. I think he can shoot from the three. There's no doubt. Absolutely. So. Quickly, last two guys, Devin Cambridge. I'll give Devin a B. Um, he improved from last year, and in some games he was on fire. I just think, again, a consistency thing. And on defense, he can just be a little bit better um, in the guard position. Yeah, I'll give him a B- minus because he, he was a great spark. And he was constantly moving from the bench to the starting position. And he was the guy that really sacrificed the starting position for Sharif Cooper. And finally, I think a guy that everyone's in love with, Dylan Cardwell. I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him a C plus, but I think this guy's got a chance to move into the A range before his career's done. I agree. He's he's going to be a great center in Auburn history before he leaves. He brings the energy, and my God, that three-point shot against Mississippi State. That was all God. <laughs> it was all God, as he said on Twitter. But that's going to do it for our, for our great Great the coaching. Bruce Pearl. I'm going to be relaxed with him. I'll give him a B because it was a weird year with the most inexperienced group of college basketball. I'll give him, Actually, I'll give him a B plus. I was going to say B-plus as well. And I think that, like you said, it was a weird year. On the other side of this break, this is March. The college basketball tournament week is underway. On the scoreboard, we'll talk about it on the other side of this break. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. This is the scoreboard WEGL 91.1 FM or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com. Shout out to JP Williams, music director, <laughs> listening to us in the room over in the bullpen. J- I think JP gives JT Thor an A+. Yeah, he put a sticky note up that says JT Thor equals the GOAT. So shout out JP, always listen to the scoreboard, that's our man. Getting into March Madness, like Jacob said, had to play the future song for you. I'm contractually obligated by Jacob because uh, he put the music in the system <laughs> for us. So, it is championship week. I'm convinced that whoever wins the SEC championship this week is not the champions because the defending champ isn't in the tourney. Ooh. I'm just kidding. But I like that, actually. Let's stick Auburn's with that. the defending champions for they are. two years. They uh, are. But, yeah. So, anyways. It's a big day today. Huge day. We were watching it before we came in here. I mean, in the SEC, Vandy lost to Florida. I mean, Virginia beat Syracuse on a buzzer beater. It's it's March. Georgetown beat Villanova. Yeah, yeah. upsets Villanova. Uh, well, isn't that guy hurt for Villanova, yeah. too? Yeah. I mean, hey, Duke got eliminated. Not not, yeah. not, not by Florida State, but by, <laughs> by COVID. COVID. So. <laughs> we mentioned that earlier. So, Well, Duke was on the bubble anyways. Were they really going to make the tournament? I think well, if they had a solid tournament, they'd be. They need to make it like, to the semis. Yeah, which, hey, they looked like they could have. But they could have. Anyways, Duke's out. 
Kentucky, they got beat by Mississippi State today, so Kentucky's terrible year with Coach Cal continues. What other headlines? I mean, there's well, just so much to talk about. So far today, I think the big thing was Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State getting a three-point victory over West Virginia. I mean, we don't even know, like, because Oklahoma State's in that position where the NCAA's still being, like, or that NCAA's still, like, are we going to let you play or are we not? So Oklahoma State's just like, screw it, we're going to play. And Cade Cunningham, he doesn't want his career to end on a loss in the Big 12 tournament. So he's balling out and... Oklahoma State's going to be a sleeper. They are. And, well, they're the 12th ranked team in the nation. So, I, I mean, in the NCAA tournament. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, for, for Natty, I mean. I mean, I think everyone's talking about right now for the NCAA tournament, it's like. Gonzaga, Baylor, and then. A bunch of Big a few Ten big teams. Ten, yeah. And, like, Alabama and Arkansas. Well, speaking of Big Ten, Ohio State only had a four-point victory over a Minnesota team that was at 500 on the year and under 500 in league play. Yeah. Like, okay. They nearly let that one slip out the of their The thing about the Big Ten is. They're they're basically cannibalists. They feed feed off each other, and you saw that with the Northwestern team that I am convinced is not that bad. But they just had to play all these great teams. Well, did you see what Rothstein said today on did Twitter? Something about like if they don't make the tournament, I'll next bring it year, up while you talk. Bring it up. Explain what you're gonna say. But I just think that the Big Ten tournament is one of those things that you know I'm not gonna look too much into it because whoever wins it dessert. It's not like oh it's a fluke or anything. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, my God, it's like all these teams are really good, so I'm not surprised if whoever wins this. So, you know, if freaking Indiana goes on a run, that's not a big deal. If Rutgers goes on a run. No one's talked about Rutgers this year. Rutgers is right there in the middle of everything because, you know, Indiana's like a bubble team. Yeah, Maryland is good. Michigan State was on the bubble. But then you've got all these good teams with Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue. So I think like Rutgers is like right there where, hey, they can go in. Beating Illinois is not going to be easy. That's not an easy feat, but I don't know. So this actually, the reason I saw this, it was 20 hours ago. Carter Bird, our friend, quoted it because he's in the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. And uh, listen to the reply after I say it. John tweeted, Dear Northwestern fans and alumni, if your team does not make the NCAA tournament in 2022, I will personally fly to Chicago and sponsor a happy hour in Wrigleyville prior to a Cubs game where you can drown your collective frustrations. Sincerely, JR. <laughs> Somebody replied, the top reply is, are there really Northwestern basketball fans? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that one kid a few years ago that was crying and CBS yes. said, you're on TV now. Yes, um, That might be the only kid that's fans of them. But point being... Like you were mentioning, Big Ten's cannibalist, and it's going to be fun filling out a bracket regardless. But Well, here's the thing. You're going to put Baylor and Gonzaga in the Final Four. And who? Are you going to put two Big Ten teams in there? Are you going to put Alabama in there? Are you going to put a Big 12 team in there? Because You're not going to get a Pac-12. No. Maybe a mid-major. Loyola looks good. Well, you would have thought Villanova, like halfway through the year, they were a possibility for making a run. I mean... I think that there's a lot of potential for what we could see coming down the stretch in March. Well, because their team like Belmont, they yeah. look great, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament because they didn't win their conference tournament. They belong, but they lost to Drake, who Drake, they started off the year like 20-0, and 0, and then COVID happened to their team, and they went on a bad streak. Uh, well, here, let me cut you off real quick. We're talking about teams that we think can make a run, specifically Big 12, a huge matchup. Um, the Big 12 tournament tonight at 5.30 on ESPN is 11th-ranked Kansas and 25 Oklahoma. Look back to the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Oklahoma defeated a Bama team that a lot of people are putting in their Final Four. Oklahoma's been up and down. They've been a team a lot of people have slept on. Use this as a measuring, uh, a measuring stick to where you want to put the Boomer Sooners in your March Madness tournament. I like that. Because Kansas, I mean, that's a team that's also been up and down, but they've looked a lot better recently. The only issue is Kansas is missing David McCormick. He tested positive for COVID. Oh, really? He did. Okay. So they're, they're missing him for the Big 12 tournament. But I do think that, you know, you can't discredit Oklahoma if they go in and beat them. No, you cannot. It's no. still very much a... Still Bill Self and the Fighting Jayhawks. Yeah, absolutely. I really... I, I think that these, these conference tournaments might not be the best look at teams because, like I said, maybe for, maybe for the SEC, ACC, and, and the Pac-12. Yeah. But the Big 12 and Big 10, like... Whoever wins it, good on them. That That's a hell of a tournament win. But they're still going to be in the tournament. I think the SEC is probably going to be the more – well, you could also even argue, like you said, the ACC. But SEC is probably going to be one of those 
conference tournaments that you have every other year where it's like, okay, everybody's going to pay attention to this to see what these teams are about to do because, like, Tennessee's got the highest chance, according to BPI, to win SEC, and then it's Arkansas, and then it's Alabama. So I think you're really going to see what these teams are made of down the stretch. Well, see, the big thing is that we don't – we talked about it several weeks ago, parity in the SEC and college basketball in general, but specifically the SEC because – we know Alabama and Arkansas are good teams. We they know are. Th- they are the top two teams in the Consistently SEC. good teams. And then you look at LSU and Tennessee, the three and four seeds. LSU, I really don't know. Tennessee, they can they are the best team in the SEC on some nights. That's the issue. It's on some nights. See, and the problem is, in my mind, Tennessee is a way better defensive team than LSU, and LSU is a way better offensive team than Tennessee is. So... If them could they potentially meet before the championship game? Nope. Okay, so it'd have to be in the championship game. It would be. That'd be a fun championship. I think it would be. I would much rather see Alabama and Arkansas. Yeah. But if it's not that, I would. I would too. Now, Kentucky. What in the world? They didn't even win in one game. Lost Mississippi State. Talked about it earlier. I mean, somebody mentioned on Twitter about like Coach Cal underperforming or doing the mo- or doing the least with the most. I guess is the saying they were they were putting out there, which. And then somebody replied to it, um, have fun with Justin Powell next year, like not make not going past the second round of the tournament. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that they were bad this year. Kentucky was not a good team. And I really think that people were kind of hyping them up too much, like, oh, it's Kentucky, they've got talent or whatever. They're gonna make a run. And it's like they never did. If they beat Mississippi State, they weren't beating Alabama. No, no chance. With that being said, I mean the Blue Buds, yeah, just being shut out. Yeah, I would say shut out because Michigan State or Carolina might make the tournament, but like Indiana might not. If they lose tonight, I don't think they're making the tournament. Yeah, and that's that was something that we've talked about this whole season was the fact that um, what was it? it was like halfway through the season it was like this is the first time that like these four or five teams it was a bunch of the Blue Bloods like haven't been ranked since so and so they had been like fifty years or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 been strange. Well, I, I let's let's pick. Obviously, most of the tournaments have started, but let's let's kind of pick our winners for these conference tournaments because I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing always to do. Last last year we did it, and then uh, you know Never, we didn't come back on the air for five months. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That, exactly that. <laughs> so so hopefully we don't jinx it this time. And, wood. and these we like to call are, that the Hillman jinx, folks. Well, see, what it was was Turbo Jones making that shot against Tennessee at the end of the game. That was the Thanos snap of COVID-19. Let's see who we're picking to win these conference tournaments because, like I said, it's it's, it's fun to pick all the – like, the SEC, there's two teams. Big 10, Big 12, I, I don't know. It's, well, yeah. And then the other ones, it's tough. So let's start off in the SEC. Who do you have winning it, Bay? The inner barn me does not want to pick Alabama, so I'm going to pick uh, Arkansas. <laughs> you know, they're on a win streak. They look strong lately. I'm just afraid that they're going to have that. You know, once you're on a streak, you have the one game where you trip up and lose. I just hope it's not in this tournament. Um, I'll have Arkansas. See, for me, it's all about. I don't know. I I feel like if Alabama makes the championship, I think they're going to beat Arkansas. The last time I played Arkansas, they got whipped. And I think, and they blamed a lot of it on the refs. I know the refs were a yeah. big deal. And I, I really don't think that they're going to let that happen again. I think they'll come out and beat Arkansas. So they can get past Tennessee and, of course, Mississippi State tomorrow. I don't think that'll be an issue for them. You know, I'm sure they'll lose because I say that. But I think they get past Tennessee, they're going to win it all, regardless of who they play out of the bottom half of the bracket. So I'm going to pick Alabama just because – They've been the most consistent team all year because I think at one point Arkansas, we were like, nah, they might not be good. Moving on to the ACC. I mean, this has been a weak year for the ACC, but I think you have to go with Florida State. Well, and I would agree, but that's also just because in recent years, looking back in recent years, Florida State's always been one of those top half teams. Whether it was closer to the top half or closer to the bottom half of the top half, I would put them as a favorite, and I would also say that, well, no, I'm not going to go there because we don't have enough time to get into that discussion, but, you know, just for the sake of argument, I'll just say it was, Florida State would probably be my top one, too, when you sit down and look at it. I'll yeah. go with the Seminoles. Too. Well, because Virgi- Virginia, as always, they're the one seed. 
but I just, I just think Florida State's more athletic. Yeah, I do too. They're all they they can be explosive when they want to be. Yeah, and of course Virginia got past Syracuse with the buzzer beater, and they've got Georgia Tech or Miami or excuse me, it's Georgia Tech because they came out with a win. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how that one goes. Big Ten tournament. This is this is where you just don't know. I pick it Illinois. Yeah, I see. I'm looking at it right now. My winner is either Illinois or Michigan, and Illinois put a whooping on Michigan recently. But I'm going to go with the Big Blue. See, I think Juwan Howard will have him ready. See, I think what's going to happen is the winner of Indiana Rutgers is going to give Illinois an absolute run for its money, and I think they'll come out of that game and be fired up because I, I think Illinois is going to win that game regardless of how it goes, and I think that'll that'll give them momentum through the rest of the tournament and potentially to like an Elite Eight run. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Juwan Howard and Michigan. I think I think they're gonna get some revenge in the championship game against Illinois. Looking to the Big Twelve, usually it's pretty automatic. Just go ahead and pick Kansas. This year, it's not as easy. I'm gonna go with Baylor just because they've been one of the better teams in college basketball all year. Baylor. Yeah, I think that's simple. a pretty simple pick because the other teams, Kansas, Texas, they're solid, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, looking at the Pac-12. It's Oregon or UCLA for me. USC has a chance, but I'm going with Oregon. I'll go with UCLA. I like them. That does it for championship week. Preview kind of in the middle of it. On the other side of this break, the bat and ball stick sport, the stick and ball sports for Auburn have a big weekend on the horizon. You're listening to Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hilden. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. This is The Scoreboard, final segment of the hour. Bay Marks and Jacob Hilden live on Weagle FM 91.1 or if you're streaming at WeagleFM.com. Thanks for joining the show. We'll be back next Thursday. If you missed any part of this show today, you can go back and listen to the replay anywhere you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, wherever you find it, we're going to upload it right after the show today. Last segment, we'll get into some baseball and softball, particularly Auburn. Auburn softball opens this weekend up in SEC play. Huge home matchup against the Fighting Crimson Tide from that other town. Uh, up north. Up yeah, north, according up to Brian north. Harson. <laughs> Technically, it is north. Which, which way is north? Pointing you straight to the side. It is. No. I think it's like west and like like 30 miles north, maybe? Yeah. 30, 40 miles? Just, Anyways. It's a few miles north. And then Auburn baseball is at home this weekend. Um, they come back from Birmingham where they beat UAB. They will be hosting Little Rock this weekend, a team that they've never met before. Um, we'll talk about softball first, and then we'll get into baseball. Shout out to Will Kelly for calling us out on Twitter, <laughs> holding us accountable, talking about the softball team. So, Will, if you were listening, it worked, man. We're getting into it. Well, he's right. This is the number two team. Number Well, it's number four now because they lost to South Alabama on Sunday. Top 25 matchup. Top 25 matchup, and, I mean, Look, Weather's going to be great. Look at the start that Auburn has had on the softball diamond because two freshman pitchers, Matty Pinson and Shelby Lowe, have been balling to lead Auburn to a 16-1 and record. Well, did you see what they said? They, in reference to Oklahoma City Women's College World Series, they said, we're going to be there soon. I mean, I believe it. Whether If it's not this year, I think next year is a good chance because they're both freshmen. The bats are they're on and off, but when they're on, there's something special because, I mean, their one loss is just number 19 South Carolina back in February in Florida. So it's like they've really done a good job. They beat South Carolina and they lost to them the next day. So it's not like they just lost to them on a one-off. They beat them and then they lost to them, and those were both one-run games. Yeah. I, I really like what I'm seeing from softball this year. McKenna Dow has kind of been the MVP yeah. with a bat. Yeah. She's done a good job at winning a lot of games for Auburn because, like I said, some of these games, beating Southern Miss 2-1, to one, beating Troy 3 to nothing last night, they needed her to come through with home, big home runs. Well, and sorry to cut you off, but something real quick. You remember how earlier in the show we were talking about um, the impact of COVID and the fact that people can come back for another year? Didn't Rivera use that year? Alyssa Rivera. It just Justice Perry, Perry. Yeah. And I believe there's another player, but I could be wrong. But, Yeah. You that, that's huge too, because like you're not 16 and one without those people either. Exactly, because so. they, they Rivera's had a, she's been kind of inconsistent this year, but she's actually turning it on now. The last few games for her has been much better yep. than how she started. Yep. So that's gonna be a big series. Um, look, look out Friday night, Maddie Bensa and Montana Fouts. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. 
That's going to be one of the best pitching matchups in the country all year long. It's going to be expect a low scoring game, and we say that, and then watch it be like a ten to nine game, something stupid. Well, because you have so here's the thing: Shelby Lowe came within one out of a perfect game earlier this year. Penta's thrown no hitter. She's thrown two, two of them, two yeah. of them, and they both strike so many players out. I think Penta had a game where she struck out the first sixteen batters she faced. Golly, and then it's called shoving it, folks. Absolutely, that's doing your job. I mean, it's just incredible when what they've done as freshmen and. Hey, listen, I know there were question marks about Mickey Dean. I think I think this year kind of saved him. Yeah. Not gonna I think bit. if this year was as mediocre as it's been. This recruiting class, yeah. Is great. See, and I think that was a big thing was and obviously if Will's listening, he's he's a huge Auburn softball fan. Um he knows that with the Myers era, Auburn was spoiled with great softball. Went to the College World Series finals for crying out loud. The championship game was down to the last game in the three game series and Bringing in Mickey Dean, coming in from James Madison, I believe it was, and um, not a Power 5 school guy. And, I mean, Auburn fans were frustrated for a few years because Auburn was average. And then last year, I th- I believe they were before COVID shut everything down, and I think a lot of people, the, chim- the chimers were, hey, like, if Mickey's not getting it done this year, like, we need to start exploring options. Just because there's a lot of people behind the softball right. program that want to see its success after what Auburn's been through in the 2010s. Um but anyways, like you mentioned, yeah, Mickey Dean this year, the women's softball team, they've turned it on. The recruiting class has been great, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this series holds. And, yeah, and it's one of those things where because of the momentum the teams, that you're like, go win this series. But, hey, if you lose two out of three to Alabama, that's nothing to be ashamed of because Alabama's a great team. They're number four in the country for a I reason. would like at least one win. On yeah. your home turf – one win. One win would be big. I think Friday night would be a great chance to get it. I know you're facing Montana Fouts, who has been a great pitcher her entire career for Alabama, but you've got Maddie Penta. This is a great opportunity to prove what you've been doing all year. So I think Auburn, I think that. Auburn gets one of two this weekend. So that's Auburn softball. They're at home on the Plains. The other team that's at home on the Plains, the Auburn baseball team, like we mentioned, will be facing the Little Rock Trojans, who are 5-5 five and five on the year. Believe it or not, these teams have never met on the Diamond. And... Uh, some quick facts we were talking about earlier. Auburn enters the fi- this final weekend of non-con play as the national leader in run scores, and they also rank in the top 10 in the NCAA in eight different offensive categories. So Auburn's offense has definitely been one of the better ones in the country, and yeah. Yeah, I really think that this Auburn offense has the chance to be one of the best in the country with power hitters like Tyler Miller, who... Wow, he has been so consistently good over the last two weeks that he solidified himself as one of the best hitters in the lineup. And then there's another stat. One of three teams that have seven players with multiple home runs this season, Judd Ward, Stephen Williams, Ryan Bliss, as I said, Miller, Bryson Ware, Rankin Woolley. Then I think I named six guys. I can't remember who the seventh guy is. Point being, you really expect – these guys have find the consistency soon. Cam Hill is the other one. Cam Hill, he's really turned it up. He hit a grand slam in the first inning on Saturday and hit another home run on Sunday against Boston College. But I really think that this lineup is starting to solidify itself whenever guys get healthy because Well, is Judd back? Because he's in the potential starting lineup. He was a designated hitter on Tuesday or yeah, Tuesday night. Like no, I mean like in left field. I believe he'll be back. Okay. If he if he hit all game Tuesday, I think he'll be back in the field. And that's big because then you have just so many options with your lineup because Stephen Williams can play catcher, but I think Ryan Dial might start there for majority of the time the rest of the season. And then first base, you could have Bryson Ware, Tyler Miller, right field, you have Josh Hall or Dude, Bryson we're, Ware. I haven't really heard a lot about Josh lately. so it, It's just one of those things where whenever a guy gets cold, you pull him out of the lineup, put another guy in, and just – Back and forth. Expectations for this weekend. You got to sweep. I was going to say 3-0. You, you need to right sweep. Right before conference play. And do they, have a, do they have a midweek next week? They do. I believe they face off against. Yes, Lipscomb. Lipscomb, okay. Yeah, so I didn't think they did. But so after this, they'll have one final non-con before they travel to a team that's been ranked as high as number one. So Auburn baseball has four games left to get some kinks out before they travel to Mississippi and play the Rebels. I really think that this weekend is important for the bats, not as much for 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 the pitching staff, just because you well, have so I, many you have so many injuries. I would argue the opposite. Really? I, well, I mean, Cody's coming you, back from injury. Richard Fitz is out. You still have Jack Owen, who I'm guessing he's going to be 
trying to come back next weekend. Potentially, he won't be a starter on Friday night uh, unless he's ready. Injury. Carson Skipper's still hurt. I mean, I think this is the time that you get these bullpen guys. I think this weekend we're going to see a lot of what we saw against like Presbyterian and Alabama A&M. I think Auburn's offense obviously won't have a problem, but I think in reference to what I'm mentioning about Presbyterian is you're going to see Bush rotate in a lot of bullpen guys to continue to get them in there and get them pitching before SEC play starts because we mentioned this on the show earlier in the semester. SEC baseball is a gauntlet. Say what you yeah. want about football and basketball. SEC baseball, top to bottom, is top-notch baseball week in and week out. Well, see, it's crazy because you have Mississippi State. They go, they lose to Tulane in the opening weekend, not the series. They lose one game, and then they have to battle on Sunday to win it. Then you have LSU. LSU gets beat by two touchdowns and a two-point conversion. But then the next day, they come back and win by like 10. Yeah. it's The SEC is good, no matter what, because I remember there was a few Fridays ago where like every SEC team lost. It doesn't matter. They're so good. They all bounce back, and they they're going to fill thing. in three to four spots in Omaha. Exactly. So, I think the biggest thing this weekend is the pitching. I think you still need to get a lot of guys. And I mean, Hayden Mullins, friend of ours, eight Ks. He had a great uh, performance after Gonzalez, who also had a great performance. Yeah, he was um, perfect through five innings. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Is not just in the midweek games when you can really get bullpen guys in, but this last series. Get some guys to toe the rubber. I mean, you saw guys like Glavin last weekend that had to come in. I mean, he gave up an extra inning bomb, but just guys like that. So that way in SEC play, they don't give up those bombs. Now, that series, that hurt a lot against Boston College. Well, see, Boston College is also a great team. I also predicted a 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh series, and Auburn went 1-2. and two. Should have been 2-1. and one. I mean, that was so up and down. You get killed on Friday night. You destroy them on Saturday, and it looks like you're going to be on Sunday. you blow a huge Sunday. lead on Sunday. That was peak college baseball. That's not going to happen a lot. And I don't think that's an indication of, oh, this bullpen's in shambles or whatever. It was just, it was a bad situation that a very good baseball team took advantage of. And that's what Boston College did. Maybe, maybe, maybe different decisions could be made because Cam Hill was the one that came in in the ninth. After the game he had at the plate, I don't know if I wanted him in pitching. So who knows what different decisions could have been made if it would have even mattered. But like I said, it's not something you need to focus on, and I think they did a good job of bouncing back on Tuesday night against UAB. They did. UAB was a tough game. UAB is always a quality opponent, um, and I think that shows a lot of character, like you said, on the road midweek after that kind of series to bounce back like that. That shows a lot. So Auburn baseball going to try and work the wrinkles out this weekend, gets into SEC play next weekend, and then Auburn softball, like we say, kicks off their SEC play tomorrow night at J&B Moorefield. So that's going to do it. Big weekend on the planes in the sports world. A year after COVID, we talked about that earlier. One year since everything shut down. The Thanos snap. But we're not going anywhere like we did last year. So if you want to listen to us, like I mentioned, go listen to this recording of our show today on any podcasting platform that you can access, Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find us. Me and Jake, we're going to go edit the show right now, and we'll be there. As for us live, come back next Thursday at 4 o'clock on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Scoreboard, signing out. This has been The Scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.